Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday morning. And since it's Wednesday, it is that time of the week to have Cruzy McCalligan for our midweek audio column. Cruz, great to speak to you today. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing well. I think um, I think the the weather has something to do with it. It's it's great. It's nice and warm. It's sunny, but it's also a bit shady at some parts. So I think. Well, I think we're in different Hong Kongs then because oh. I'm still struggling with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, what do I know? I'm actually stuck indoors without any windows in the studio. But when I came in this morning, it wasn't as sunny and it was a bit more breezy. Um, You have an interesting topic for our listeners today. You're talking about incense. I am incense. So where I live, I live in Aberdeen um, and Summer is an interesting time because I live quite close to a Tin Hao temple. And in winter, um, in winter, when the air is cold and crisp for all of five minutes in Hong Kong, but for the five minutes that it is, um, we get these beautiful wafts of incense from the temple nearby. And I love the smell. I really love it. It just, it stirs something in me. It makes me nostalgic. It's, there's something about it I just absolutely love. Now, during summer, that is replaced with the smells of hot garbage from the refuge station equally nearby, but um, which I don't mind either. That's just, you know, a product of the culture we live in where we all throw things away. That has to happen. Um, but I do find, like, I miss that incense smell. And the other day, I was just, it was just on my mind a little bit. You know, of course, I have neighbors who light incense in the stairwell, which I'm not sure why we're allowed to do that in Hong Kong. Surely it's a fire hazard, but everyone does it, right? Um, I I lived in in an old building. Yeah, I lived in an old building before, and we used to have the papas and then the the gongs when it comes to like different festivals. They'd bust out the the tin. Um, I think it used to be like a. Um, oh, in, in, in Chinese, we call it tina, so, um, uh, tong. So it, I think it used to have like lighter fluids in it, like a big can of it. Of course, it's all been used up, but they use, they, they keep that tin to burn incense. Right. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Oh, turpentine. I, I think that's that's what it used to to hold. And then um, I don't know why so many households would have it. It's kind of like the WD forty uh, in in Chinese culture. You just have it in your household. So you wipe, you know, the gates, or you just wipe hinges. It would help out a, a lot or whatever. Of course. Yes. <laughs> no, that's a beautiful thing to share. Like it's part of. It's just kind of part of our culture in Hong Kong is to have incense around. You know, and um, I think it's difficult if you really don't like the smell of incense i absolutely love the smell of incense do you like it so i not so much these days because i have more of an um allergy towards it but when i was little my grandma used to always burn incense i would used to help her burn incense i was like wow this is so cool and we'd burn like paper offerings and you know the the um all sorts of things but nowadays whenever i smell i'm just like oh it just gets on your clothes and your hair but i you know of course you try to be respectful and you know you just sort of Mm. nod and you just go into your house and you quickly close the door so the smoke doesn't get into the house as well Well, that's that's interesting. I'm going to be interested to talk to you about the topic then today, because we're going to be talking a lot about that kind of significance of it and how people feel about it. And of course, in Hong Kong, like I live in Aberdeen, which is where um, incense trees from the new territories used to be brought for export to other cities in China, which is one of the reasons Hong Kong is known as Fragrant Harbour. It's because of the sandalwood and the the different uh, the agarwood tree 
trade that made it smell nice here, specifically in the area I live in, right? Which obviously doesn't always smell that great now, but <laughs> once upon a time it did. Um, but I find it, I just thought it was a really interesting thing. And I think it's one of those things I tend to miss when I'm in other countries because you don't see, and well, specifically like um, places like New Zealand or Australia or the UK or the US, like countries outside of um, uh, Southeast or Eastern uh, Central Asia, you know, we don't tend to see or smell rather incense. But incense actually comes from the Latin word incendia, which means to burn. And it's um, it's usually a type of material that is burned, obviously, to release a pleasant smell through smoke. Um, a lot of religions use it during their ceremonies, but it can also be used for lots of different things, for covering bad smells, for repelling insects, oh, yeah. um, for kind of aromatherapy during meditation, and simply because it just smells good. For some people, as you said, it's a, obviously an acquired taste. Um, but it's believed that people knew in some form or another of incense since the time and the invention of fire. So some archaeologists believe that materials that people were throwing in the fire, like cedar wood or berries or roots or resins, were kind of the first incense that we knew of. Basically, people were kind of doing things that well, primitive humans were doing, um, you know, throwing things into a fire to see what happened and going, wow nice smell that smells good maybe i'll do it again you know and similarly to those things of like my goodness this smell is so incredible it must be something completely otherworldly you know um so from these times incense spread through all major early um civilizations so ancient egyptians used combustible bouquets for this purpose and they also used it to cover bad smells but they believed that this pleasant smell dispelled evil demons and that it therefore appeased the gods one of the oldest incense burners um, dates from the time of the fifth dynasty of ancient egypt which lasted between 24 and 25 um 25th century bc now, incense came to ancient Greece and Rome over the Babylon, where it was used during prayers and in oracles. And we still have this, you know, there's, you know, that sort of idea of like smoky mysticism, right? When we think about mystical mm. things, um, there is a sense that incense would be part of that image. Now, the Valley of Tigris and Euphrates got its incense from the Somali coast and the coasts of the Arabian Peninsula, where there were trees that had resin, we call them resin-bearing trees, which produced frank frankincense and myrrh. And of course, why do we know about frankincense and myrrh? Because they were the gifts given to the baby Jesus. So we even have like these smells, these incense type things in kind of uh, you know, more uh, Western Christian um, uh, history as well. Now, um, Indus civilization also used incense, and it was around 2000 BC that ancient China started using incense in its religious ceremonies. And now they made incense with herbs like cassia and cinnamon and styrax and sandalwood. The use of incense in China reached a peak during the Song Dynasty, which was sort of 960 to one. Uh, 1279, when many buildings were built solely as places for incense ceremonies. So can you imagine that? You have a building built with its sole purpose being for the burning of incense. That's how significant this was to the culture and the belief system. Wow, it's like an incense incinerator. Yeah, <laughs> an incense right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I can't even make it work. I, I think even, yeah. you got the closest there. Um, but yes, and of course, between between the seventh century BC and the second century AD, we had this um, this thing that existed called the incense trade route or the incense road, and it was a, la a network of land and sea trading routes that connected Mediterranean. 
with Levant and Egypt through northeastern Africa and Arabia to India, where its main purpose was to carry Arabian frankincense and myrrh. And it um, it carried other types of goods, but these were the kind of predominant things. And this route, this route, this trade route lasted of just really with a focus on moving incense until kind of the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, it's really interesting. Um, then we, if we look at a different part of the world that's dealing with incense, you've got Korean Buddhist monks brought incense to Japan in the 6th century. And since then, it was reserved only only for high aristocracy. So like samurais were allowed to perfume their helmets and their armor with it sort of in the 14th century to achieve this aura of invincibility, you know, that it was it was imbued with very powerful um, properties. So it wasn't just your average person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of things that it kind of comes back to, which I find very, very interesting if you look at the kind of the culture of it. And when I was digging a little bit, there's a lot of people in our part of the world who are um, quite worried we're going to lose the cultural significance of incense. So if we even look like... um, Okay, so the smell is obviously very important. Um, it's used to aromatize rooms and clothing. It's a part of Buddhist worship. Um, it's also a leisurely pursuit for people like scholars and nobility in, through history. Um, Buddhist scriptures value the use of incense, and it plays a really important role in that way. Um, and so there's a lot of elaborate incense ceremonies, which have you know various tools specifically for the ritual of kind of using these things. And you've got incense burners and you know, this is things that archaeologists um, discover all the time, that, you know, people, ways that people were burning incense. It's like part of daily culture in so many different ways. And it was said that during the Song Dynasty, as I mentioned, you know, where they were building buildings just for incense, mm-hmm. that one ounce of agarwood was equal to one ounce of gold. Whoa. So it was it was it was considered so like valuable. Yeah, it could be used as yeah. like a currency or something. Absolutely. Um, and, and so it was, it was very, but it's actually, um, it's become like first great agarwood is actually one of the most expensive natural raw materials in the world. Whoa. So it's very interested, um, interesting because it's actually in, in the Aquilaria tree, agarwood forms when a deep wound is made in the tree. So like if there was like animal scratches or an insect attack or, a, a, you know, lightning striking the tree or something like that, or a, a fungal infection entering the tree and really harming the wood fibers, that's when the tree to heal itself produces this resin. And that process can take tens, hundreds, or even thousands of years, which forms that naturally scented product. It kind of brings to mind that idea of like a pearl, like which we've talked about on the program before. That's right. Of like, you know, how you're trying to, you're creating something really quite special and beautiful and precious from a real, a wound, a natural wound in in something. You know what I mean? Um, so it's quite remarkable. And um, in in Hong Kong, of course, um, <clears throat> we 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 were much. We had a lot of this. We shared a lot of this history and this value. And with agar wood being um, exported to the rest of the world, that it was it was coming from Hong Kong. That we had uh, we had plantations for these incense trees here that really shaped our culture and made our made our city smell very nice once upon a time <laughs> <laughs> and all those sorts of things as well which I find very very interesting um, but yeah so there's a lot of people um, I've talked to when I was reading online a lot of people were saying there's kind of an intangible thing about incense in our culture and and we don't want to 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 and people don't want to lose it they were saying you know you know aromatherapy today you know you've got scented candles and burning oils and all these sorts of things but actually maybe incense has a bit of a 
a PR problem, that it's maybe it's seen as stuffy and old and smelly and not as refined as like kind of modern aromatherapy products, right? But it does have such a rich cultural background and is so integral to so many different things. Um, <clears throat> I was interested to find out how it was made as well. Like how is an incense stick made? Oh, yeah. Do you have any idea? No. Right. So basically they have kind of like they make a, a um, there's one way method called paste rolling. So a wet, malleable paste of incense mixture, which would be some of those kinds of different herbs and woods and things like that, is rolled into a long, thin coil using a paddle. Then a thin stick is put next to the coil and the stick and paste are rolled together until the stick is centered in the mixture and the desired thickness is achieved and then they cut it. There's also powder coating. So this is um, when you produce kind of like big coils as well. Yeah. So... Like yeah, the ones so, in the temples or uh, or even for, for mosquitoes as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. That's a very similar way that they make the mosquito coils in a similar um, way as well. And so what they do is they bundle um, sort of supporting materials, so thin bamboo or sandalwood slithers, and they soak these in water with a kind of a glue mixture. And then these are then sort of dipped in this tray of incense powder. Um and this is sort of like piled over these sticks um, to kind of hold it. Another one is through the method of, com- um, method of compression. So a damp powder is mechanically formed around a cord stick by compression. So it's if you're making them in a factory and not by hand, um, because it would probably be quite a messy job, actually. And I think that's another reason. Um, another thing I was, I was reading about is that there's this sense that people don't want to go into this industry of making incense because as a craft, it's like it's messy and untidy and all those sorts of things. And it has this, it has a reputation for being not sort of like a, a pleasant um, pursuit, but actually, it, yeah, but it's, it doesn't really, it's still a very important thing for so many different different um, applications. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Do you burn any incense at home then, Gruzi? You know, I, I have in the past. I think I haven't since I've had children because it's burning something in your home <laughs> and as someone who has had a house fire <laughs> like um i don't tend to do that um but but I, I i do actually really love the smell of incense and i know even today um i pop into various kind of like i love an excuse to show people around hong kong and take them into some of the, the temples around the city just for that hit of incense smell um you know what i mean like i really love that smell and it does feel it does kind of feel a little bit special but then we look at the benefits so people talk quite a few there's a lot of benefits that are now of course these are all obviously not scientifically proven um but these are some of the the ways that people feel that there are benefits to burning incense sticks one says that it reduces stress and anxiety so they say that, you know, um, it's very useful during meditation or yoga practices to create that peaceful atmosphere. And I would believe that. I think sometimes when you go into a room and if you are doing yoga or meditation or even if you're going to get your nails done and someone's burning a bit of incense, there is a sense of that aromatherapy really does affect our mood, doesn't it? How something smells um, and how we feel. Apparently, it can improve uh, sleep quality sometimes. Um, so like that, um, that just those, some of those different smells, like even like a lavender incense stick, that kind of infusing of smells there. 
Um, apparently, uh, incense aromas, ha- they have looked at, um, this has been scientifically proven to boost memory and cognitive performance. Um, in the University of Freiburg in Germany, um, they found that burning rose-scented incense sticks during sleep can actually promote memory. But of course, I don't recommend ever burning anything while you are asleep. <laughs> um, but the study revealed that exposing participants to the smell of rose incense sticks during sleep improved their vocabulary skills the next day. And they showed a noticeable difference in the words and phrases learned by those who experienced rose scent compared to a control group. So that's another like thing that you think about, that maybe this is another reason people are burning incense. It can really, it can connect things neurologically. It's making your brain work because your senses are working, you know. Um, Maybe that's why my memory isn't so good because I sneeze (laughs) when I'm around the incense. (laughs) That's where I've gone wrong. That's the uh, That's very unfortunate. Um, but they also say that, you know, it, there's, there's, there could potentially be immune boosting things. So like burning things like eucalyptus and tea tree types of incense um, could have that kind of, because we, we, we've seen some of the benefits of those things in other ways, that the scent of incense could help improve blood flow and could stimulate our sensory glands in the nose, which can have a clearing effect. So it's just supporting our immune system, which is very interesting if that's something that is true. Um, there's a uh, reasons to look at the reducing of inflammation. For example, frankincense is apparently very anti-inflammatory. Um, so there's a lot of things saying that, you know, those smells of incense can help the way that our, our bodies are processing inflammation or, or experiencing pain, which is also interesting. Um, They've also said that this can also help with headaches and migraines or cause them. I also know people who tell me that the smell of incense gives them a headache. So it could go either way. Um, There's also been said that it could improve digestion or um, enhance mood, just kind of give a feeling of relaxation and peace and stimulate your senses in a positive way. Even enhance creativity, things like patchouli um, or vanilla, apparently are very good for opening up creative um, pathways in your brain or boosting confidence as well because you feel more relaxed. Um, so there's lots of reasons to think about um, incense in that in that way. And of course, we can also use it for like people use it in religious terms in like clearing the air um, and also for repelling insects. As we know, like citronella and lemongrass incense um, have natural properties that could ward off mosquitoes and flies and other things like that. So that's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I find it quite a fascinating thing. Now, I've looked at it a little bit more and I hope it doesn't disappear altogether, but I, do, I can't imagine it would. Um, I have two quotes to finish on today, Noreen. Yes, please go for it. Um, the first one is from the poet Rumi, the ancient poet. He said, light the incense. You have to burn to be fragrant. Mm. Um, and Prem Prakash said, at the end of our lives, we hope we will look back and like an incense stick completely burned away, we'll have poured forth all of our fragrance into the world. Oh, wow. That's very philosophical. I like that yeah. one a lot. I yes. like that one too. Yeah. Well, Cruzy, thank you so much. Who knew about all these interesting things about uh, about uh, incense? Um, I also call them jostics as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Do you call them jostics too? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much for, for choosing this topic and I look forward to uh, more uh, chats with you next week. Thank you very much indeed. Take care.